Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular's single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You've arrived at the Taking a Walk podcast, the podcast that follows the journey of musicians, authors, producers, and media insiders and their love of music. On this episode, join host Buzz Knight as he's joined by Lynn Hoffman. Lynn is an accomplished TV and radio host with work in major markets, A&E, and VH1. And she's also the host of a new podcast produced by Buzz Knight Media called Music Safe Me. Join Buzz Knight and Lynn Hoffman next on Taking a Walk. We're in beautiful Litchfield County, taking a walk. What do you call this place here? Ooh, buggy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing, though. I didn't have breakfast, so now I've eaten a few. Oh, it's um, so great to be with you. You too, Buzz. This is called... Um, I think it's called Three Rivers Park. It's beautiful. We got somebody walking a dog up here. And I do want to caution everybody who listens to this podcast. We do do virtual editions from time to time, but we like doing them in person. And many people will remark, they'll go, you were taking a walk with somebody and it sounded like you were winded because we're walking. (laughs) (laughs) We're entitled. Good thing we're not biking. Then there would be some issues. But you can take it whatever pace you want, Lynn. It's so great. It's your It's your episode here. And I'm so grateful to be with you. Well, it's so great to see you, Buzz. It's always awesome to see you. You are like family to me. You are my cousin, Buzz. So let's not bury the main headline, which we could come back to. Okay. You are hosting this Hi. podcast called 
Music Saved Me, and I'm so grateful that you are and so excited, and I want everybody to check it out. And uh, the first episode is out with Winona. Winona, she's amazing. And uh, what, um, if anything, surprised you? Because I know you had encountered Winona previously. Yes, we did uh, work together uh, a few years back, and I just... She's the kind of woman, the minute you meet her, you just want to throw your arms around her, and she will give you a big old hug, you know, and um, just lovely and completely open and honest. There are no walls with, uh, with Winona. And getting artists to be able to open up about what uh, music means to them in their lives and being able to pass that on to listeners is uh, a really cool connection that I think we're going to be able to make. Uh, upcoming episode with Jelly Roll as well. This um, Jelly Roll's blowing up. He is, that, uh, that lad is busy these days, for sure. He is busy giving back uh, and being so grateful for everything that has come his way that I, I just can't tell you what a shining light this guy is. I mean, he's larger than life figuratively and... Um, Spiritually, spiritually, I think spiritually, yes. spiritually, really. yeah. All right. Yep, yeah, and he um, and he gives back so much. Um, that's I think that's mostly what he does. Not only when you talk to him, um, he wants to you to take something away from it, but he also he just it's his mission in life to give back to those and try to teach them how to live their best life um, and how they can turn everything around. Really, I mean, you can turn your life around. He's evidence of that, really. Yep. And uh, he's out on a big tour, and I think this guy, um, the fact that he crosses all genres, I think is super interesting as well. Definitely. And I think the fact that Jelly Roll takes the struggles that he had in his life and he sort of brings it forward deepens his connection with his audience. Yes, it does. And uh, his audience is everyone. Um, including those who are currently incarcerated, which I find incredibly interesting because he travels specifically to talk to those people who are locked up that they can change their life and they can use music to help. Yeah, which is just, you know, the therapeutic nature of music. So we'll we'll come back and throw out... uh, uh, overt plugs for the Music Save Me podcast later uh, on. I love but, it. <laughs> uh, um, I want to uh, trace your illustrious path to success in your career. Um, and did you say illustrious? I did. What is that, that okay? Even mean? I just think that uh, you've accomplished so much, and you're still working and accomplishing even greater things, and you're just beginning. Well, That's it does feel that way, but my, my, my body doesn't feel that way. <laughs> Come on now. But my brain, yes, it does always seem like I'm still just starting out. I guess you have to stay hungry, right? Um, and always be, you know, forging ahead. I, I like to push boundaries. I don't really like to um, settle. So if I'm doing something, I, it's, I don't know where it comes from, but I have to do it at the best level possible. And that's how my mind works with everything I do. So when did you first think that you were going to have a career on media? Um, very early on doing in, impersonations of commercials 
when I was very, very little, um, probably in the 70s, and I would do impressions of the actors on the commercials for like Sucrets or other interesting products that were out in its day. And, and then I would start doing impressions of people and accents and... And my favorite show was Saturday Night Live and Carol Burnett and Cher and Sonny and I wanted to be all of them. But I wanted to work with a team. I, I never just wanted to shine by myself. I, I wanted to work with a creative team and just make something special so that it made people feel good. Um, and then I think it was fourth grade. Jeez, I walk all the time and I feel like I'm winded. <laughs> um, uh, it was fourth grade and I had a bit role in a uh, Peter Pan play. And and I got up there and I said something silly and the audience laughed. It wasn't part of the script because something went wrong on the set. And everybody laughed. And at that moment when I felt them all laugh, I was like, did I make them all feel good like that? I have to do that for the rest of my life. Wow. And that was it. So you were it was cemented at that point. Yeah, morning radio though specific because it was a team of people that worked together that, you know, made it all happen and that's really why I kind of focused on that. All right, so what was the first beginning of that? And we are going to get to the point in time when I was jilted by the fact that I tried to hire you. So we'll get to that, uh, maybe sooner than later. But what was next that brought you closer to at least radio first? Radio? It was really the love of voice work. I mean, I, I was so, like I said, want to achieve the highest heights. The first demo tape I sent was Disney. You know, I sent Disney my demo. <laughs> And said, I would love to be a voice of cartoon characters if you would hire me. And of course, they said no, because, you know, I, I wasn't even, I didn't even have a job at the time. But um, voiceovers, I started working for a company that was Messages on Hold. And I was the, thank you for calling the cinemas. Tonight's showings at 7, 11, you know, and <laughs> it started there. And um, when I felt really comfortable that I could do that, I guess, then I felt like I could work with other people and, and, I was scared. You know what, Buzz? I, I was just scared to do anything alone. Uh, I don't know why. So I needed a team. Like, I wanted to work with other people, hear what they thought. And so I thought, you know what? Morning radio has to be that place for me. All right, wait. We're, we're at a crossroads here. We're at a crossroads. Uh, hmm. I say go toward the ears of corn. It's like the fields of dreams. It is, isn't it? <laughs> I've never been out here with the corn all like this. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Do you know they do reenactments out here? No, anyway, right. I digress. Um, I, I really don't find myself, my life, so interesting. So I think it's. I'm so honored that you want to talk to me about me. Oh, I'll get. I'll get everything. <laughs> but out enough of you. about me. Let's more about me. That's right. Talk more about me. Um, I started interning for a show called uh, WCDJ Smooth Jazz 96.9. And I was um, I was there on the night of my graduation from college when everyone else was partying and I was actually getting paid $6 an hour to run the board while the company was having their Christmas party or something or their some holiday party or something. And um, I don't know, it seems weird, graduation in December. So it must have been some other holiday. But they said, this is how you do it. And then they left me there. And of course, that's when I started queuing up the reel-to-reel -reel while the mic was potted up and they called me from the party and said they could hear <laughs> all of it going on. But I got, I kept my job. 
I met a gentleman named Rob Schuler, who uh, is sadly not with us anymore. He was the voice of the Patriots. Um, and he knew that I wanted to voice commercials because I went in his office and I said, Rob, my parents don't think I can make any money in this industry. I have to prove them wrong. I need to start doing commercials. Can you help me? And he put me on the uh, radio doing commercials. And next thing you know, he walked me into Metro Traffic and said, hey, this girl wants to talk for a living. <laughs> and I became a traffic traffic and uh, news reporter in, in Boston. And I got to work with all of the morning shows. I yeah, that was with every that, station, right? Yeah, like the, the guy, this is the craziest thing. The guy that broke me in on the air live with my mom listening, Eddie Endelman. Oh, my God. Yeah. And the very first broadcast, he talked about my gynecologist appointment. Oh, lovely. <laughs> but it wasn't that descriptive. However, I had to, you know, wiggle my way around all that, get the traffic out and out. And I'm thinking, my mom's listening. Oh, my God, this is crazy. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I worked with him. I worked with Ken Johnson over at WILD. I did traffic for him in the morning. I don't know if you remember WILD. I do. They were the like yeah. what the only AM music yeah. station. Yeah, and it was an urban format. Right? Yeah, yeah. And um, and uh, worked with Lauren and Wally doing their trap. Uh, no, I interned for Lauren and Wally. Oh my gosh, I interned for them. <laughs> I did, and then they actually ended up offering me a job to be on the show and Len Malo, another guy who we lost recently who is their news guy he told me don't do it <laughs> really yeah and I said why and he said because there's 11 people on this morning show <laughs> and you're you're gonna get lost and and you're you're meant for other things I said okay like what next thing you know Matt Siegel is calling and he wants to hire me and Mike Butts in Rhode Island wanted me to be his co-host because of all the traffic and I was able to sort of hold my own with these legendary guys mainly because I was clueless <laughs> just, <laughs> get out. I just wanted to do the traffic and get out but they all wanted to hire me and I ended up working with John Lander by chance because he came into town he liked my reporting and and uh, brought me in and then I, I never left I want to go back to John Lander of course but what was it about my pitch to get you to oh. work that, that I failed at? That's right. <laughs> okay, so I'm doing traffic. I think I was like 22, 21, 22 years old. And you offered me... Yeah, I think we might want to go... Well, this is someone's house. Oh. Yeah, we'll turn around. <laughs> we, can we, can, we can turn Sorry. around. Yeah, watch out for ticks now. We're going to get the high grass here. <laughs> um, so... You called me up and you said you wanted me to do Afternoon Drive on WZLX, Boston's classic rock. And I was like, what? And you said, yeah, I want you to come in and do Afternoons. And I said, okay. And I hung up the phone and then I, I was like shocked. And then I was just scared. And I didn't think that I, I didn't feel like I could do it. I feel like I tried to hire you twice. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> you Unsuccessfully. Sure? I really? feel like uh, there was a ZLX play and there was also an ROR play as well. Uh, I, I seem you to. You did. You. I think, when I moved I think, to New York, you wanted me to come back to work with Lauren and Wally. Yeah. So there was two attempts that were I unsuccessful. That. Yeah. Well, but, but then you guys had amazing ratings, so I didn't have to come hang out. So, but then of course the the John Lander period. Uh, what was the 
beginning of that light because the show certainly evolved into being one of the most successful shows, uh, you know, in the market. But uh, how did it start, and what was that process like? Thanks. Um, it was scary as hell, but like I said, it was a team, so I didn't feel so stressed that it was all on my shoulders. Um, and Lander, man, he, he was already a huge radio name. Everyone was talking about it. He was so good to me. He, uh, he never made me feel like he never said, don't say that. Like in New York, when I did mornings in New York for that short while, <laughs> the PD who remained nameless, who was a lovely man, um, only nameless because I can't remember his name. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna kill me <laughs> if he ever hears this. He's gonna kill me. Oh, uh, I hope he, he was does. so nice. Oh, Smoky Rivers. Oh, okay. Smoky. Yeah, what a great guy. Um, but he would say things like, "Lynn, don't say I love it. Don't say this. Don't say that." And he would he would sort of try to help mold me. Um, but Lander never did that, and he sort of let me sort of find my own level. And um, it was just the most fun I think I've ever had at any job almost um in radio just most fun and that radio station competing against it as i did at that time uh was you know constantly uh, innovating doing cool promotions big personalities uh great energy yeah and it had pretty damn strong competition in terms of certainly, you know, KISS 108. Yeah, Heritage. Yeah. I'll tell you what, when I left Boston, we had a little party at the Rack. Paul Barkley's place was like the hottest place in town when I was yep. living there. And do you know Matt Siegel showed up and he came over to me and he said, I need to shake your hand and tell you, I'll never forget this. He said, I'm glad you're leaving. And I said, why? He said, because you made me work too hard. <laughs> Isn't that great? I couldn't believe it. I couldn't even believe it. Um, yeah, but I was so taken aback by that. And I could have worked with him because they were prepping me to work with him. I, I saved the, the voicemail and everything. I was so excited. But there was such great uh, leadership there as well at uh, Mix. Oh, uh, gosh. You got uh, Greg Strassel, who yeah. was like the king, and, and and it was the flagship station for CBS when they when they bought it. Um, and Mark Hannon, of course, as well. Yeah. Really good people. Oh, Mark. Yeah. I had the best of the best of the best. Yeah. With the exception of you, of course, because you were at the other company. Yeah. But Well, no, eventually it was the same company. We were we oh, were yeah, all right. uh, C ultimately CBS oh, yeah. brethren after the the sale uh, from uh, what American Radio Systems. Yeah, I remember we were there at the dawn of uh, the monopoly getting thrown away. That rule of ownership, you know, like I had a taste of what it was like when radio stations were privately owned, and it was mom and pop across the street, and you would have like a classic battle of who's going to win the ratings and and it was all done creatively and and good camaraderie and then all of a sudden we were in a building with every single station on one floor with every personality you've ever listened to growing up yeah it was crazy well and the personality level in in the boston market then uh, you know, you just Top mentioned notch. it was, uh, you know, certainly Maddie and Lander, uh, Charles Lacquadero was still kicking around as well. Um, Love Charles. This yep. was the beginning of the, 
really before the sports format really kind of took off, even though it kind of yep. existed in some regards. But it was really a, a pretty electric market in terms of the competition. So some markets are really fiercely competitive and, uh, you know, kind of it gets unfriendly yeah. uh, and other markets are fiercely competitive but it's friendly competition how would you characterize boston was it friendly competition it was friendly competition 100 percent um because i wouldn't stand for it any other way i, I mean there was no I, I wanted to be friends with everybody because i felt we were all in the same business so why did we have to be enemies personally you know just come you know, if we're going to be fighting against each other you know coke pepsi you know, who's better, who's got the better campaign, who's got the better music, who's got the better formats, whatever, that's fine. But the people as a whole, I felt it it was extremely friendly. However, there was always the problem that I had with other women. Uh-huh. <laughs> because I was so approachable, and they wouldn't even give me the chance. And, you know, no, there was a, a couple of times where there was some not-so-friendly women just because they felt threatened. And I understand that, but when I was young, I didn't, you know, um, and I, all I was trying to do was achieve goals for myself and I wasn't trying to hurt anybody. Um, but overall, once, you know, the career got up and running, I didn't find that at all, except when I left every single woman in the building was lined up. I said, what's going on? They're all lined up to go see Lander in his office. Oh yeah, they're all going to apply for your job. Oh, <laughs> I said, oh, thanks. <laughs> I didn't know you guys all wanted the job. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, yeah. Had you always set your sights on New York City as a goal? No. I was petrified of New York City. Are you kidding me? I didn't want to go at all. The only reason why I went was because I convinced the production director now my husband, <laughs> to go with me. Yeah. <laughs> I said, come on, you want to sit in this production studio all day? You want to go to New York? And, and of course, I was totally bullshitting. I didn't think he would say yes. Because, you know, who's going to just up and leave their job, both of us, and, and take off like that with six months disposable income? And if we didn't make it, we'd have to hang our heads and come back. <laughs> <laughs> so he went, sure. He did. And uh, the rest... Yeah, just sort of fell into place from there. But that says a lot about, you know, I wrote down my goals. I lived my life as if I had those goals already accomplished, even though I didn't. Um, it was just sort of in me. That, Who are the people that instilled that in you? My parents. Yeah. Yeah. Especially my dad. and Well, both my mom and my dad. But my dad, what he went through in, uh, you know, in the military, and you know, he was a Green Beret, and... Vietnam and he saw a lot and he put up with a lot with me because I was a lot to handle. I had a lot of energy. <laughs> they always used to say that I was going to grow up and they were not surprised I ended up in radio because I love to talk. <laughs> but they were supportive and... Oh yeah, yeah, they were just happy I picked something. Yeah. <laughs> but they were a little concerned how I was going to make a living. And I think that in and of itself was the the reason because they didn't think I was going to be able to do it. It was like a fire lit under my ass. I swear. Anyone who told me, don't get in it. it that's that business is horrible. It's competitive. People are going to eat your lunch. Uh, I, every time someone said that, it made me want to achieve it more. And it started with my parents. Um, so I had to prove to them that I could do it and make a living at it. Did you always see TV in your sights? Yeah. I always wanted to do TV. 
So but I didn't want to tell that. anyone because I was too shy because I didn't want people to think I was full of myself. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to do TV alone, mind you. I wanted to do it with a team. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, one day, I think it was Joyce Cole Haywick on uh, BZ. BZ. She was, she, I think she's still doing something. I, I, I've heard her name recently even. She was like my favorite entertainment reporter of all times, and she was going on vacation, and we happened to be in the parking lot of BZ. We moved to our new location, and I sort of let it be known that I would love to fill in. And Mark Hannon walked me across that parking lot and put me in front of a teleprompter at, at Channel 4 and said, here's your chance. Is that right? Yeah, so he, and I he said, was wow. Watch you over. Yeah, and I did it, and he, I believe Mark Hannon said to me, it was him, somebody there, I want to give him the credit if it was him. He said, you know, why don't you want to tell people that you want to be on TV? And I said, because I don't want them to hate me or think that I'm full of myself. And he said, if you know what you want to do with your life, you scream it from the highest rooftop. If I had known that you wanted to do this earlier, I would have made this connection sooner. You know, and of course it worked out great because I was the ambassador for the radio station on TV so I could help them promote right. the show and the station and vice versa. Wasn't it the birthday game, uh, the, the TV spots for the birthday game? Am I getting that Oh, right? that was the million dollars. Million dollars? That was a yeah. million dollars. They flew Lander and I to Atlanta to shoot the commercial. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Willie does TV commercials all day in our basement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they flew us to Atlanta. Sure. But I remember awesome. that commercial. Yeah, that was, that was pretty fun. It's so funny talking about when... Radio stations ran TV commercials. I know. Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah, because they don't really do that now. Well, the weirdest thing is, is when I started to work in television when I moved to New York, they had no idea how radio worked. You know, I said, hey, you know, this would be a great radio show because it would translate because it's music. Because I worked at DH1 and I did a music show on A&E and... And they would look at me just sort of befuddled, like, how do we do that? I said, well, it kind of works the same exact way as television, <laughs> just with pictures, you know? Yeah. Like, I couldn't figure that out. But, uh, well, everything's caught up now. What was first, A&E or VH1? VH1. VH1 was first. You know, Mix broke the Bare Naked Ladies. Yeah. And one year to the day after they broke them, they, we, we had a big concert, and there was like 100,000 people on rooftops, trees. We'd never seen so many people. And I went and back to interview the guys from Bare Naked Ladies. Stephen Page. And I said, do you know these people are all here for you? They thought they were there for the monkeys. I said, no, they're here for you. And it was the Million Dollar Song. And Anyway, VH1 came into Boston, and I happened to be working that day, and I met the producer, and they, they found out that we were that station that broke them, and they wanted to do a little story on them. Her name was Tony, and she worked at VH1, and uh, she said, you know, you should do this, because they had to put me on camera to talk in front of the board, and no one else wanted to do it, so of course, let's get Lynn. Perfect. <laughs> and um, when I moved to New York, that was like one of the first calls I made was that contact I made in Boston because I didn't have representation from any, I, I was with William Morris at the time, but I didn't have any television rep. It was all voice. I called up and I said, Hey, I'm in, I just moved to New York and I just want to let you know, I don't have representation, but I'm willing to come in an audition if you have anything. And the next day they said, you know, we're launching this new digital platform called VH1 classic and we'd love for you to come audition for it. So I walked in the door with my two best friends, Buzz, because I don't do anything alone, right? <laughs> with my two best friends, one had a camera, one had like an audio recording, and I made up the story that they were doing a story on my life. <laughs> they were following me around just so I didn't have to go to the audition by myself. 
And, uh, you conniver. I know. <laughs> but I literally, I just, I when I left, I said hello to the camera people. I, I asked the guy later, the producer, Dane, who also is not with us anymore. It's just amazing how many people. Um, and he said, it was because... You were moldable because you said hello to everybody because you came up to me and told me that you didn't have to look any further. I was the one. And he said to me, you're going to have to memorize like 800 pages of script every week. I said, I don't care. You know, cut to me on every weekend home while everyone else is going out because I've got to memorize lines because they didn't have the money for a teleprompter. Oh, boy. So for years, I had to memorize, you know, five gold records. 20 Grammys, two Rock and Roll Hall of Fame awards, three hit singles, and the names of the songs and the artists. And wow. Yeah, so I became sort of like a classic music encyclopedia. A little bit of a savant thing going on. Yeah, there. it was a great education, though, and I met so many amazing people starting out a career in television, working with the greats rather than the new people. You know, could have been MTV breaking all the new artists, but I was with the classic guys. It was awesome. It was really cool. And then how did A&E happen? Um, they handed out pink slips at VH1, and about an hour after, my agent called in. Uh, they handed out pink slips because we had become financially sound. I guess they started making money with the ads on, on VH1 Classic. It took about five years, and so then the main company took it back and pretty much disbanded everyone because it was... You know, we, we made it lucrative for them. And the, my agent said, well, I got some good news and bad news. He said, uh, the bad news is you're not going to work next week at VH1 because they've fired everyone. But the good news is, is, remember that audition you did last week at A&E? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, they want to hire you for a new show. So I was like, what? <laughs> so I have not been without a job, that or my voice work, which I still do to this day thanks to uh, my husband who set me up with the William Morris thing and created that whole... You know Willie did that, right? Yeah, of course. Like, he literally told them they needed to have this... They, they wanted to hire him at all the agencies in New York. We went out and bought him suits. And he's like, I am not an agent. <laughs> Sorry. Your husband is a, a powerful power broker. And he really... Uh, he hides that. He, he tries does. to be very much in the background. Oz behind but, the but, curtain. But he's, he knows how to find the right people and the right angle and connect them you're similar you guys that's why you guys Thanks. you know it's worked out with you too well i chose you obviously i did something right no <laughs> i think the feeling's mutual so a and e yeah sessions private sessions private yeah. sessions and um sounds like a late night show on cinemax doesn't it yeah it does <laughs> So tell me about some of your favorite uh, interviews with that uh, great uh, show. Well, Winona, first of all, and that is not, I'm not just saying that because of Music Saved Me. Um, literally, it was one of the most memorable other than perhaps Ringo Starr and, and Bon Jovi. When you're in a building that has 14 floors and you never see anyone, when everybody on every floor shows up on your floor, you know somebody significant is there and, you know, they want to see them. So, I mean... The job was fun. So it took a number of days to prep because I had to basically know every single thing about these people and their life and their career. And I wanted to be educated before I talked to them. Remember how Larry King would say I wouldn't do any research? I just wanted to learn like the audience? Yeah. I did the exact opposite. So I <laughs> Larry should have considered that at times. I but. think so. I agree with you because he would have had a, a better time 
because he would know where they were going and understood their story better. I don't know. Even though at work for for quite a while, yeah. he uh, at at a point should have probably rethought that a little. But I don't yeah. think anybody was going to tell Larry what to do. No, I don't think so. <laughs> yeah. You don't tell Larry what to do. Yeah. I don't think many people did. Obviously, because if they did, he wouldn't have been wearing those ridiculous suspenders. True. <laughs> True. But so you took the opposite approach and really immersed yourself. I took three days to prep and then shoot day the day before. And this is why I connected with Winona so much and even Queen Latifah, to be honest with you, because after I read her book, I felt like we were sisters that were separated at birth. We went uh, so many similar things in our lives. The reason why I brought up Winona was because one of the things that she talked about um, was visualization. And you'll hear that in in the Music Save Me podcast. It's big and it works. It's real. It is no joke. And I used to do it every night before I would go to actually sit and shoot with an artist and I usually, it would be like a 16 hour day because they performed all the songs then we'd strike the set and then go and do the interview after and usually I would be entertaining them while this was happening in between stuff, we would do crazy things, you know, all sorts of stuff but every night before I go in I would visualize me with the person I was interviewing with the people I worked with laughing, smiling, and having a ball. And every single time, the day ended up that way. No matter who came in, no matter what egos walked in the door, and there were big egos that walked in the door. They were completely disarmed, and I would insist on being there even before my call time so that I can make everyone feel comfortable. Because that's, I think the most important thing is to feel comfortable in your environment um, when you're talking with people and if you're in a place where it's your your living room, it's the most comfortable. Yeah, but that's you too. That's not you being someone that you're that you're not. You know, that's that's who you are. I guess, yeah. I, I, it's selfish. It's it's so I'm comfortable, but I want to make everyone else comfortable yeah. so I can be comfortable. And and I guess it's good for everyone. It's everybody wins. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much. Also, I didn't find that celebrities made me nervous or you know I'd watch people treat them sort of almost like from another planet and I would say why I mean these they just like Edison invented the light bulb these people invented this incredible music that resonated with so many people um, that they're that it's amazing and you want to get in there and find out what they're all about but yet it they weren't more important than you or I are they? No, not really. They're people. That's right. Yeah, they get up every day, they put on their pants one leg at a time, and that really is how I had to look at it, too, because otherwise I would have pooped my pants. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember a couple of early times, like I had to interview Hollow Notes and Joe Jackson really, really early on, and I remember telling my producer, I didn't, I didn't sign on to interview people. I just wanted to read a teleprompter and, you know, sell music and stuff and make everyone happy. And now you want me to actually sit with them and talk with them, and then who knows that that was going to be my career. You know, <laughs> I anything it. I said I didn't want to do ended up happening, and I had to do it. Like I didn't want to do the news on mix, and then I had to do it, and I was happy. So you're doing tons of voiceover work for radio and TV and other clients, right? Yeah, mostly radio and television. And I feel like the only reason why I'm fortunate enough to still be doing that is because I started at the beginning of that being very big for female voices because there really wasn't a lot being used at that time when I got in. 
And then we talked earlier about my husband who sort of created this whole business model, if you will, for the agencies to have voices, multiple voices on radio and, and television. And, and um, so I built up a nice clientele and then, you know, 20 years sort of went up and now it's on its way up because don't forget, I'm up against AI now. And that is absolutely, I mean, we just got a commercial today made by AI that Willie had to fix. Just because you need a human touch. Yeah, that's always going to be needed. Right. Maybe it'll be less work for me, but that's why you got to have other irons in the fire. Yeah. <laughs> What's the strangest dialect you ever were required to do on a voiceover? Strangest dialect? Well, Boston. <laughs> Don't laugh. I, I just recently did some commercials. Uh, Iron Tree Service up in the North Shore. Okay. Um, and it, no, it wasn't them. I'm sorry. It was another client. Somebody, there was a, it was a restaurant, Kelly's Roast Beef. Ooh. And they wanted a Boston sounding person. And I've lived out of Boston more than half my life now. So, and I went to New York. So I thought, oh, I can do this. No problem. And I did the whole thing. And they said, um, can you sound less New York and a little more Boston? I didn't even realize that it happened. Did you really have to crank up the Boston? Yeah. Like, give me an example. Like, uh, I, it, should I do the normal one? Like, pack the car and have it yet? Do it the really over the top Come on. One. It's, it's, oh, it's your cousin from Boston. Come on. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. I, 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 I so blink. you don't have to try too hard. No, I don't. I don't. And when I get tired, I sound like I'm, I'm from Boston. But my whole life going to school, they wanted me to have general American speech. Which, for broadcasting, they didn't want you to be able to tell where the broadcaster was from. There you go. So, that's what I learned. And no one believed me that I was from Boston because I didn't speak with the Boston accent. And then I turned it on. That lovable come on. Boston Dunkin accent. Dunkin' Donuts, come on. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up there. I had the large Dunkin' Donuts with, like, vanilla and, uh, like, you know, half the glass was filled with sugar. <laughs> You know what's funny? My friends from New Jersey add the R on. I have an idea. I'm like, you got an idea? <laughs> yeah, wait. And I said, that's a Boston thing. You add the R and you take off the R. I think they're messing with you. Though. I think so, too. I do. I think I talk too much. Lynn, you never Sorry. talk too much. Thanks for being out, taking a walk. Thanks for hosting. Music saved me. Music saved me. It's going to be so much fun. It's. Thank you for uh, choosing me to... Wait a minute. This will be the first time I didn't turn you down for a job offer. Oh, my God. Uh, can you believe it? Now we actually have to make some money. All right. I'm, I'm <laughs> down for that. <laughs> Got to pay for this car. <laughs> Taking a Walk with Buzz Knight is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. 
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.